Welcome to Restored Gospel Podcast, the coronavirus edition. Plagues, pestilence, viruses. World's gone crazy from the last time we've gotten together, Corey. Hey, uh, I thought I was at the wrong podcast when I heard that song come on, Mike. What's up today? <laughs> we got to we gotta uh, find something better than that to start the podcast with. I listened to this this week, and this is one that I appreciate. This guy, so this will get our blood going. Let's see if we can pull it up here. This is a better song, Mike. Much better. <laughs> it's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. A love song born of a grateful choir. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. That's one you gotta you gotta crank up at home to at least volume seven, maybe even eight. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I hear that kind of thing, and it just it gets my blood going. It's uh, it's hard sometimes when you uh, when you're blasted, man, all day long. Social media. I'm trying to stay uh, as enlightened as I can be because I'm traveling around and I'm in homes every day and I'm seeing sick kids and children and. And, of course, we're getting emails from the hospital all day long, and things are changing by the minute sometimes and the hour. And Kristen and I both are tied into that, different hospital systems here in the metro area. You know what, though? It's 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 something to be out and about and just being normal and doing my normal job. I feel great. But it's when I come home at night and I sit down from the day and you just think about everything that's uh, happened this week. Uh, things got out of hand pretty quick and I didn't see this coming and I'm in healthcare. I, I just didn't see this happening this way. What do you think, Corey? How you been? How's your week been? Oh, you know, like yours, things are different. And if you're just joining us, you know, this week it's, uh, the, the world's changing because of this understanding of this virus. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this and, you know, my, you know, you, you, you kind of, if you pay attention to the news, but you don't even have to pay attention to the news, just kind of talk to people you're close with. And there's a lot of different ways this is being viewed. And, you know, some people um, see this as uh, end, end times prophecy being fulfilled. And I, I have a little bit to say about that, but maybe later. But um, but regardless of what reason it is, I just think for, for whatever people want to do speculating, don't forget that God who was God yesterday is still God today and he's going to be God tomorrow. And, and the thing that he created us to do is, is love each other and to um, look for opportunities to serve. And my gosh, there are places right now we can step up and serve, I believe. Well, um, what kind of places? Well, here's <laughs> we have what to stay home. Yeah, I know, but here's, here's what I'm thinking. And I was motivated because I was, I was listening to a broadcast and they were talking about this. They said, you know, this is hard for everyone right now, but you know, it's harder for elderly people and we all have neighbors or maybe even relatives who, you know, they're at even higher risk right now. Um, check on them, call them, see how they're doing, see if they just need someone to bring over some water bottles or, or something like that. And I know we have to be cautious in contact. Um, 
I, I'm not going to pretend that uh, because, you know, we're believers in Christ and we've found the restoration and the glorious gospel in the last days that um, we don't have to be careful. You know, you, you look through all the time and you realize that no matter how profound God's uh, providence was through time, that we're still we're still mortal. You know, even Moroni or and Mormon who who takes this whole book of Mormon and consolidates all these scriptures. You know, his effort to make sure we get this word in his last in these last days. He was taken down by the Lamanites with a sword. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, and I and I just think, and it, it was his son Moroni then who has to deliver the place. You know, hey, he he didn't go around saying, hey. I'm God's servant here, and uh, I don't have to care that the Lamanites have swords. You know, he was still a victim of that too. So I, I just think we need to be sensible, but but look for ways to, if it's not even something where you're doing interaction, just to be an encouraging hope and, and a positive source of energy can can do a lot. Because right now, some people, you know, this is this is all we were talking about. This is all we can see right now. I'll tell you what, get yourself a nice writing pen. Nice writing pen. I recommend a fountain pen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I tried yours and I can't and, do uh, it. But. Get your branch directory out and write some letters to people in your branch that, that have ministered to you in the past. Mm. Get your kids involved. Just write a handwritten letter. Uh, maybe mail is the highlight of people's day as long as the mail's still going out. And uh, just to get a, a regular letter in the mail out of nowhere, uh, someone says, oh, I mean something to somebody. It's a good good thing to do. Um, I do want to touch on just a few uh, health things, misnomers, and just just from what I know from the health community, uh, and then get into more of the spiritual and what's going on inside of us and how is this affecting us in our hearts and in our minds. But, um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, everything from it's just a cold, it's just the flu, to um, you know, uh, millions of people are going to die. And, um, and I don't know that anybody knows where that truth is right now. Um, if, you know, you're talking about bringing groceries into your home and stuff, you know what, you can go out and get your stuff and bring it home. And, you know, very well, that stuff could all have contamination on it, but, you know, put it away. That's going to, if the virus is on those things, it's going to die within three days or so. And you're not going to touch all of that every day wash your hands. Microwave kills it. If you do uh, takeout and you want to go and get takeout from your restaurant, if you're worried about getting contaminated, bring it home, put it in the microwave for 20 seconds. You know, that kills that's good to know. That kills the virus. It denatures it. That's from biology. A friend of mine, it's a biology professor or teacher. And um, I saw something the other day. They were freaking out in the drive-thru because they weren't putting on fresh gloves after every meal. You know, they're going to hand you the bag. There's no, there's no record of it being transmitted by eating it. You know, mm. you have stomach acids and things that kill. I don't know for sure that that's 100% positive, but the, the main way you're going to get it, so is just your hands rubbing your face. But also, Corey, it is... From what I understand, it is airborne, and it can stay in the air for up to three hours. So that's what drives me nuts is, you know, when they said we're going to try to slow this progression down and everybody hunker down, I thought that was great until I was doing my job these last three days, driving around the city. Every Walmart and grocery store and dollar-type store is packed to the – the parking lots are packed from 8 in the morning till 5 in the evening. I mean, early in the morning they're packed. And so there's thousands of people going through these places – and it's not enough to just stay six feet away from somebody because if somebody walked through that aisle two hours ago 
and breathed out or mm. sneezed or coughed, and then you walk through that aisle, you inhale that. Mm. And that's the, I think that's the most dangerous thing right now. Mm. I was really happy that churches were self-regulating and not meeting together, and we were all trying to work together. But when I see this, it's almost like, well, what's the difference if people are trying to to hoard all of their groceries and toilet paper and things, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I'm about at the point now where it's like, do we just go back to normal and let, let the chips fall where they may? I guess we're still, it's still doing some good. I'm just really concerned about how many uh, people are out and about in those areas that don't, you know, but there's not enough masks to go around to go out into those places. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're here, Mike. I'm glad we're having a conversation because, you know, this is something we can keep doing and we can do it relatively safely. Um, but uh, for anyone listening online, you know, uh, we, we want to be a beacon of hope. You know, Mike brings a break, a great background from healthcare and he's, he's kind of on the front lines of this stuff, understanding the, the reality of it. And so, um, you know, I was thinking a little historically, um, I, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, our generation has never experienced any kind of a pandemic or plague or anything, but it's interesting how often history records them. Um, my grandmother's father would have been my great grandfather who I never met, uh, passed away. One of other many family members actually passed away in 1918 with the, what was called then the Spanish flu. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you call them, great grandfather because you automatically assume, well, they were an old person, but he was in his thirties. My, my grandmother was just born. She was not even a year old when he passed on. But I, I share that because um, looking at ancestry, you know, it was common through the ages that um, civilizations dealt with these things. And we're so much better equipped now back in the day. I mean, you didn't even know the news of what was going on in another country, but, but now we do. So I think, you know, one of the things is the, the virus itself is is a serious thing and it's dangerous, but really the the bigger issue is the way people respond to the virus. That's the bigger thing. That's the longer lasting, you know, whether it's economically or socially, you know, just how we treat each other. And I'm 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 feeling like this is where we we're gonna rise or fall. Um, the virus thing, I think we're we're gonna be able to someday, you know, get on top of this. But what we have to do in the meantime is be the people God called us to be. And um and and rather than assuming, well, this must be God's judgment. Now I do have a couple of things I want to say about that, but not as anything prophetic or just some things to consider. Um, it seems that unfortunately, you know, for more conservative kind of Christians, we, we sort of tend to see these things as well. See, this is the, I told you so that the Bible's always been talking about. And it, it may or may not be that, but I think the more important thing, no matter what those things are, is that we respond in any day and time we're called in and, as Christ would, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when the, the thing with Brazil and the plates down there came out last year or a couple of years ago, uh, what, what concerned me the most out of all that. And, and early on, I was really, uh, up in the air about, you know, I was really looking into that and had an open mind was how, uh, soon people were so quick to judge and to condemn. And I know having a couple of very close friends involved with that, the, the sadness of how they are treated and still treated in the church by some people. I was aware of that as this whole thing has been going on. And, um, you know, I, I, I may have offended people by, uh, you know, really proclaiming that as far as Christians, I don't think it's right to go out and assemble together. And that's that's my personal feeling. Um, 
I know some people are are on the clear on the extreme of that, and I felt some wrath from people. Yeah, I had some pretty unkind things said to me in conversation. And this um, is this is because you were you were saying, "Hey, we we probably need to isolate as we're being yeah." It's right very now. very offensive to some people. I got I got some nasty comments. Um, and you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I confess, you know, I got a little, I got angry and upset myself. But I wanted to talk about that. I confess my sins. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. The Lord knows my heart, and I'm not going to fool Him when I stand before Jesus. So, yeah, it ticked me off. I got, I got angry. But, but, but that is because of perspective. Mm-hmm. And I have to remember, everyone doesn't have my perspective. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, Corey. I've been at the bedside of people, hundreds of people, and have watched them die, mm-hmm. and have watched people die because they can't breathe. And there is nothing that makes you feel worse or more helpless than to not be able to get them comfortable at that moment. And uh, as a hospice nurse especially, I took that very, very seriously. And if I went to see a patient that wasn't well taken care of by another nurse or didn't have the right medicines in place and, and you would walk in and they're, they're suffering, that would really tick me off. And, and I took that seriously. And there's nothing worse than suffocating. There's nothing worse than not being able to breathe. And when you watch videos of the emergency rooms in Italy where people are going through that very thing, um, that's my perspective. Mm-hmm. And to be side by side, not just tens, but hundreds of people that have died in their last moments and watch that, it is, um, if you can't get them comfortable, it's a terrible feeling. So I have, people say fear. I don't, I don't fear, but I, I uh, am concerned that there's going to be great suffering. Um, so that's my perspective. But so we can't let our perspective uh, take away our charity for other people. Uh, I know there was times when I was seeing people just, to me, felt like just kind of thumbing their nose at wisdom of people that may know a little bit more about the situation than them by right. saying, well, you know, I owe my allegiance to God and I'm not going to listen to man. And I shouldn't um, assume that, I shouldn't assume anything about what they're thinking. That, was, was that what people that were could, saying? Well, there, that's a that's one line of thought. You know, there was a, a retreat that was going to be going on this weekend that they weren't going to cancel because the kids wanted to get together, and and uh, I thought that was uh, that 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 angered me. It mm. angered me because, uh, well, you know, it's the whole thing between do I follow God or do I follow man? And I was thinking about this. You know, it's not like. The government came out and said, you're not allowed to worship God. It wasn't like right. Daniel where they said, bow down to this, uh, you know, you're going to worship our gods or you're going to eat. Exactly. And, he, and he would pray to the God and he got in trouble for that, right? So we're not being asked to go, when the government demands you go against your religion is one thing. But right. when it requests, and, it, and, and at first there was no mandate, they just request that people all work together to do something, that's not causing you to go against your religion, not for a couple of weeks. Now, mm-hmm. You know, if the government forbids any type of worship for any extended period of time, uh, I agree. At some point in time, as Christians, we say, if this isn't for the betterment, if this really is not doing any good, then, you know, you got to be careful. It's a slippery slope. But I, I think it's a difference between being asked to go against or being demanded to do something by your government to go against your, your beliefs, to deny yeah. Christ. 
Yeah, uh, I, I haven't just felt to, that at all. You know, yeah. I, I felt like this is just wisdom. Let's just all remember we're humans right now. Well, whether you're Democrat, Republican, political, any which way, uh, I don't think it's a worldwide conspiracy. I don't think we run other governments in other countries. I think this is real. And um, I don't care who's in presidential office. America as a whole was not prepared for this. And, and a lot of people in the world aren't prepared for anything yeah. like this. But hopefully we learn from it. But Go ahead. You had some things that you probably have. I have a scripture I want to share. Uh, so I just apologize if I've offended anybody. The way to learn from this is my perspective is different, but that doesn't just go for me. I understand other people have different perspectives, and I need to uh, be more charitable. In um, you know, I I I see this kind of both ways. It's like you know, be be smart and um, be wise, and yet be Christ's servant, and so. Sometimes he leads us to do things that aren't always the norm. I was uh, interested in the fact that, I, you know, in Italy, there's such an outbreak right now. And, and this is, you know, we're in the sec- last third of March right now talking about this. And things are changing on a daily basis. And the news may be t- totally different tomorrow. But, but right now with the crisis in Italy, I, I'd heard of several Catholic priests who were going and praying, you know, over the sick with this, you know, coronavirus and at least 10 of them within a few days had symptoms and passed on the priests themselves, you know, trying to, trying to help. Um, at the same time, and I'm not saying this as a comparison, I was thinking back to the podcast I enjoyed listening to where you were interviewing Patrick McKay and he mentioned uh, a time in history when at the leper colony in Tahiti, uh, all the people were healed. You know, the, the, everyone else would just keep everyone at a stick distance, you know, and wouldn't touch. But the, um, uh, the prophet of the church came in and held and hugged and put the children on his lap and these people were healed. But what a marvelous testimony. Um, I, whatever God wills, you know, is going to happen, I suppose, but let's just make sure that we are, we are wise and in everything we do. But um, you had a scripture, Mike, what was your, what were your thoughts? Well, yeah, on Pat, uh, Patrick actually referenced this when he was here and I looked it up. Um, I was trying to find out, where to start? Um, talk, Corey. I'm looking at it. Uh, <laughs> oh, here we are. So it's, it's, the Lord says, uh, the testimony of three witnesses, this is Doctrine and Covenants section five, and the testimony of three witnesses will I send forth of my word. And behold, whosoever believeth on my words, them will I visit with the manifestation of my spirit. And they shall be, hey, this goes along with our theme that's coming out here soon. They shall be born of me even of water and of the Spirit. And you must wait a little while, for you are not yet ordained, and their testimony shall also go forth unto the condemnation of this generation, if they harden their hearts against them. For a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth, and shall continue to be poured out from time to time, if they repent not, until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by the brightness of my coming. Behold, I tell you these things, even as I also told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem, and my word shall be verified at this time as it hath hitherto been verified. Well, that's heavy stuff. Um... Patrick pointed out the words from time to time. 
Uh, God seems to bring things to us. The World Trade Center, for instance, I remember on rock and roll stations listening to DJs basically say, I don't care what they tell us, I'm going to pray to God right here on the radio and praying to God for America when the World Trade Center, not the, yeah, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers were, uh, were um, you know, flown into and, and came down. America rallied around that for a time. You know, uh, the Harbinger and Jonathan Kahn, Jonathan Kahn, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, a lot of people pointed out similarities in the old days of um, when things would happen, instead of being humbled and going to God, we said, well, we're, we're, we rely on the uh, power of man to say, we're going to do better. We're going to build it stronger. We're going to come back bigger. And the humility, the humbling effect of what happened didn't take hold in their hearts. And I was talking to a buddy this week, and I, I, I'm behind our president to to work together. I don't feel it's a good time to attack the president. I don't care what, what political party in times like these. But Trump does have a way of repeatedly saying, we're going to be bigger and better and stronger for this. And I, I think he sees that as a message of hope, and, and I get that. But you know what we should be saying, though, Corey, is, you know, we need to humble ourselves, yeah. and we need to come out of this a more humble people, not a more prideful, stronger. And and you can have strength and humility. I'm not putting words in his mouth, but you know what I mean? People hear that, and we're like, yeah, let's go. Let's rally up. We're going to – Yeah, it's we, like, what's we, the purpose of this? Use right. it for good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, it's in times like back then in 2001 and in now where, you know, you're seeing – the good side, I guess, in a way of people where people are putting certain differences like politics, hopefully aside and just saying, no, what can I do to help? And, and I even heard, you know, car manufacturers were saying, Hey, we can, we can switch over our production and make respirators. If that can help America right now, you know, we'll, we'll make those on our lines right now. No one's going to be buying cars anyhow. How can we help, you know, saying that to the president and when, when you see things like that, where it's like, hey, it's not a profit motive. I just want to help in, in companies. And, and you see that in individuals. Um, that's, that's, that's the good thing. But you're right. It, it has to be done in a sense that um, it isn't just like, you know, it's us. It's all about us. It has to come with humility. That was the saddest part about after 9-11. You know, in the first few days after that, it was like everywhere you went, you felt there was this... Um, soberness um of the reality of what had happened but there was a there was a humility the people were broken about this you know mm-hmm. the the events in the united states you know for the first time in our generation it wasn't just something you saw on the news that happened to some other country it was happening to us and and how different that feels you know with the 9-11 it was a quick thing it all happened within a few hours and for a while, you didn't know what else is coming, yeah, right? It was but our, right. This is a, a little, a little different psychologically, I think, because we don't, we don't have a timeline. We don't know the end. It's like That's how, a good point. How long do I have to stay home alone? You know, uh, there's different, there's all kinds of different information coming from Hong Kong, China, Italy, England. Depending on who's doing what, you know, it's like, well, what's it going to look like here? And we really don't know a week from now where we're going to be. We don't know a week from now if if this is going to skyrocket or not, or if it's going to be a slow increase and then a decrease. Um, so there's a lot of unknown. Um, like my wife says, you know, we're all going to die someday. And I and I get that. That's why I went into hospice care and things like that. I thought maybe it would help me be more centered. But it just, there's something. We talked about our very first episode, Corey, mm-hmm. the veil, right? Mm-hmm. 
there is a veil here, and it's meant to protect us and probably give us a little bit of peace, but we don't see clearly the things of eternity, even when they're at our door, you know? We talked about that. So it's hard to really, even something like this, to get you to think, you know, how bad is this going to be? I don't know, but psychologically, it's a little... I think it's a little more stressful because there's not an end to it. That's right? a good point, right? In in the nine eleven, we it was don't retrospective, and right. now it's now it's you know the what if you know that scripture you read out of the doctrine and covenants parallels one in Isaiah, and yeah, and I'm <clears throat> I'm just going to qualify all this because it's like this scripture and other ones are out there. What what I don't and and there's times in the Bible where in, in the Book of Mormon where it, it talks about you know. Hey, there's going to be this scourge, and in the words of Isaiah in chapter 28, he even says this overflowing scourge. Well, what I don't want to do is be quick to say, "Okay, this is it." You know, people always kind of want sometimes if it's to vindicate ourselves or our position or believing these are the last days. I, I know that saints sometimes get a little overzealous to want to point towards anything in the world and then pick up their Bible and say, well, this is it right here. This is the one it's talking about. I mean, and I say that I'm sensitive to that because I kind of grew up in that environment where it was like people close to me who I respected for their you know spiritual insight were, were always kind of like, I mean, that's why they went to church. They were waiting for the next bad news, right? Because they knew there was something coming in. So I've, in my own view of scripture, tried to, well, I guess I'll just say it this way. Um, sometimes you don't realize the event came to pass until after it came to pass. And then you say, oh, that was it. Like um, when Jesus was born, you know, uh, the Isaiah the prophet had talked about how G, this virgin would conceive and everything. But it wasn't for many, many years later where even now the Jews are just kind of saying, oh, wow, 2,000 years later, we're getting that this guy was Yeshua, the Messiah. Now, some of us saw it right on, but other people didn't. But some prophecies like that um, where it isn't obvious in the moment. But I want to qualify that with this. The Book of Mormon records Jesus saying something after he's been with the Nephites. He's encouraging them and us, the receiver of their record, to study the words of Isaiah. And he says, in the day that they shall come to pass, men shall know of a surety that they are true. And and that's in the, um, I'll, I'll get the scripture here in a second, just paraphrasing right now. But that was one of the reasons why he said, hey, study Isaiah, because what's going to, and now think about this, these plates that, Jesus' words were recorded on, were sealed up in the ground for, you know, 1,400 years and then came out in our generation. So if they were meant for the people to read them, he's he's saying, hey, Isaiah's words are going to be fulfilled in our day. It, right. it wasn't just that he was talking to the Nephites, right? Okay. And so um, when he mentions this, he says, everything that he said hath been and shall be according to the words that he spoke. And so um, what... Isaiah, and here's this other little tidbit, a third of Isaiah was recorded by Nephi in the Book of Mormon, so it's really important we understand it. He probably could have written more. He he paraphrases Isaiah here and there. Well, it's in Isaiah 28 where he talks about this overflowing scourge, and just like you said, hey, you know, people are this pride. We're going to be stronger. We're going we're gonna to overcome. Well, that same type of attitude is prevalent in this where Isaiah is basically saying to the people, he said, uh, he said it like this, um, 
your covenant with death shall be disannulled. Your agreement with hell shall not stand. And, and in other words, there he's saying, you're going to think that you're stronger than this. Like, like hell can't do anything to you. Death can't do anything to you. But he said, when this overflowing scourge comes, he said, he said, you'll be trodden down by it. This is what God's saying. In other words, the people who are defiant acting like, Hey, we're, you know, this is about us. And, you know, people need to realize in any day of their life, but especially now when judgments uh, come, and I want to qualify judgments from vengeance. When a judgment comes, it's, it's an edict that goes across people far and near, large and small, you know, the, the great and the small judgment. When we saw the, where we read about the book of Mormon destruction in Jesus, uh, uh, the days of Jesus death, before he came to the Nephites, that's judgment, you know, cities and lands and everything. There's upheaval. It's, um, there are times in scripture when we see examples of vengeance, when God surgically removes certain people, like you see the Philistine army, all of a sudden, you know, the the two armies are going to clash. And then the next morning, all the Philistines are dead and all the Israelites are alive. You know, it's like that was vengeance. God exacted something specifically. But, um, so judgment seems to be, no, the, the idea is judgment is um, broader, broader sweeping. Good people and bad people get affected when judgment happens. That's, that's, that's what I'll say. But this is what I think is interesting. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm saying this is it prophetically, but this is a good example to talk about things like this. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Jews were told that, hey, if they followed God's commandments, they would be blessed upon blessings. And they, and if the, the people around them, the heathen would be cursed. But he said, if they fell away, they would be cursed with the same sicknesses and illnesses and things like that, that were put upon their enemies. Well, that's been established from long ago. And we kind of saw that happen historically. Well, what's interesting is there's also back in those days of Deuteronomy, God told the people, he said, Hey, whoever blesses you, Israel, I will bless. And whoever curses you, Israel, I will curse. Well, this is interesting to me right now. Um, First of all, well, I want to say two things, but the first thing is when you look at where this virus is having the biggest impact today, now the news could all be tomorrow, is one, um, China's the number one. That's the biggest atheist nation on earth. They're working hard against and Christianity, even though Christianity is is flourishing, but the state works against it. Um, but but they want to become a godless nation. I mean that that's that's one thing. But the virus is hit there the most. But what's interesting is when you look at the next three or four countries, Iran is uh, in, in Italy, in Germany, in Spain. Iran is the number one enemy to Jerusalem as a nation right now, as a people. Uh, and that's not by the people, that's by the, the leaders or at least certain, uh, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the zealots among them. But they represent the people. And it's interesting that the virus has hit there. Um, it's interesting that whether people know it or not, I mean, we all know the role Germany played in World War II with, under Hitler and the destruction that came to the Jewish nation. Two-thirds of the Jews alive in the world were killed by Hitler in, in the course of a few years, right? Two thirds, six million of them. There were only 9 million at the time. Mm. We know the role of Germany, but what's most people don't realize is Italy historically. Um, when, when world war two came into being, 
the Italians as a, as the people of Italy were kind of dumbfounded when they found out they aligned with the third Reich because they, they assumed, well, we'll just align with the allies. But what they didn't understand was this, uh, document, this, uh, concordat that was what it was called was signed between rome papal rome the pope literally the catholic church and hitler and this is something i only learned in the last year where the catholic church gave hitler his full support that's why he was able to align all those countries they he literally aligned the same roman empire in the last days that Caesar had had aligned in his days. And in, in the middle centuries, the atrocities against the Jews were carried out during the Crusades, just like they were against the Muslims. As many Jews were killed as, as Muslims, but it continued on in this work. History doesn't record it this way, unfortunately, but the work was all supported by by the Catholic Church. Every country where the Jews were ousted in the you know, from about 1000 AD to 1600, 1700 AD was always led by a Catholic monarch or, or monarchy. And so Spain was the, one of the places, you know, in 1492, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue in that same year, you know, Ferdinand and Isabella ousted the, the largest um, uh, population of Jews to ever be uh forcibly removed from their home and homeland was, was done by Spain. You know, whoever loves the Jews, he's going to love whoever curses them. He's going to curse. Well, Spain, Germany, Italy, and Iran, all these four countries are, have been historically ones who have fought and fought um, fiercely against God's people. And so I see a little bit of that is like, Hmm, that makes me scratch my head. I'm, I'm not saying oh, this is the prophecy for fulfilled for sure, but I know that God's words don't return to him void. So, so that's kind of the first thing that's just kind of interesting to me about what's going on on a world level. Mm. Well, so that's interesting because America her, her, uh, historically has been a friend to the Jews. We still, we have a president now that's friendly to the Jews. Um, Very much so. But, we also have this prophecy in the Doctrine and Covenants that says, you know, if this generation rejects more light and truth, which, you know, is to go forth to them, then a scourge will be poured out from time to time. Um, so you have to, I wonder which one. <laughs> well, here's, here's, the, here's the second half of what I was thinking, and, and what you said is a perfect lead-in really to this. So the Gentiles in this nation— when Jesus is speaking to the Nephites in person, he's telling them the prophecies that are going to be fulfilled. And when he's talking to them, he said, hey, the Gentiles are going to rise up. The word is going to come to them, and they're going to reject this gospel, this, this word, this record of your people that comes to them. And then he talks about judgment upon the Gentiles. And But what's interesting is it's the same. It, well, he always says, but if they repent, you know, I, it doesn't have to be this way. But what's interesting about the judgment is this. And I'm reading from the Book of Mormon, um, 3rd Nephi 9, uh, 90, starting at... Um, 101 it says, Woe be to the Gentiles, except they repent, for it shall come to pass in that day that I will cut off the horses out of the midst of them, destroy thy chariots. I will cut off thy cities out of the land, throw down thy strongholds, cut off thy witchcrafts out of thy hand. 
thou shalt have no more soothsayers. He keeps saying, cut off, cut off, cut off. Graven images will I cut off. Um, the standing images, thou shalt no more worship the work of thy hands. I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee and destroy thy cities. But then it says, but all lines, deceivings, envyings, strifes, priestcrafts, and whoredoms shall be done away. And for what purpose? It's so that God starts with a fresh um, uh, palette, if you will, or uh, to to bring this holy city. It's the same judgment that when Moses and left the people in Joshua, took them into the promised land, all the evils of the generations that had been there populating that land were removed. And that was because God said, I don't want these things corrupting this nation I want you to be. Well, I think what's interesting is right now, when you look around what's going on, Mike, um, well, so you have all these places we call them movie theaters that are shut down that, you know, 99% of the things that goes on there just puts bad ideas in people's heads, right? That's shut down. We have a, a lot of, uh, you know, people who may or may not be um, even participating in evil things that because of the isolation right now, we're just kind of all um, forced to give up certain things. But one of the things I'm, I'm realizing is that there's a certain consequence against evil too of what's going on. You know, even just, um, I don't know there, it's hard to say cause it's so early how different industries and things are going to be, um, affected by this. But I've heard that even Hollywood, they're talking about this thing, totally upending that. And, and, you know, just the, the ideas that have corrupted Gentile minds in our day, um, are being affected by this too. It's like, yeah, there might be bad going on, but I'm, I'm wondering if in the end, some of this or any of this could be working towards exactly what the Book of Mormon said, where I'm going to cleanse and this is how I'm going to do it. That's a, that brings me to a thought that I had and um, perfect, perfect transition. I was thinking last night, my wife and I were just sitting on the couch and um, <laughs> we had just both finished a week. You know, she's, she's had a really stressful week at the hospital trying to, reallocate staff and make sure everything's, you know, surgeries shutting down and making more ICU rooms and things like that. And she's been involved in that. And uh, I know it was hard on her this week, but um, <laughs> we're sitting there at the end of the week. And I, I said, you know, I'm, I said, I, Christy, you know, Friday night, sometimes we would just go to Costco and just, just walk around and try the little food samples, right? And have a little cheap date night and we'd get our food for the next week. That's pretty cheap when you only yeah. buy her samples, Mike. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> right. she, she doesn't get the real stuff. But I, I allow her three samples, usually three or four, depends on the mood. So we, uh, I said, you know, we can't even do that. That, you know, Costco is limiting the people in and, and went by the other day and, you know, they're lined up all the way down to like CarMax down the side of the building and, I said, Chris, it was just the simple things. And so we were sitting there talking like, well, you know, what do we, I said, what, what keeps you going every week? You know, and I started looking at my own life that what, what really keeps me going during the week? What, what am I living for? What am I excited? What, what gets me up the next day? And when I, when I'm doing my job and I'm involved in my job and, and interacting with kids and people in their homes, I enjoy that moment immensely. I really do. But when you're at home at night, I have to start examining my life. And this is a chance for all of us to do that because a lot of things that we may be involved in, you know, we can't do right now. And, um, and I admit, man, there's, there's, you know, even if the movie theaters are shut down, there's Netflix and Hulu. And, uh, I don't, 
watch. Oh a yeah, t- there's still lots. Yeah, of I don't sources. watch a ton of TV, but there's there's certain things that keeps my mind going. Podcasts, you know, uh, we've talked about that. Um, true crime things. There's things that I know I probably get. Well, not probably. I'm I'm trying to make myself feel better. I need to get out of my life, and I'm just not willing to do that right now because those are the things that sometimes keep me going from day to day. And yeah, I. I love studying the word. You know that. I mean, I, I can go for hours and read and try to treasure up those things, but but there's still part of me that's that's in the world, and I know God has to uh, get that part of me out. Right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. We've got some. This is going to air today. You know, uh, right after we record it, and so we're going to bump our other programs back. But coming up, Corey, you and I, we've got about four episodes that we're going to talk about being born again mm-hmm. and being born of the Spirit and what that means. And uh, the first couple were a little rough. You know, you and I were kind of hashing through some things, just talking out loud what we thought. And uh, and there were some times where I was pretty discouraged in the middle of the podcast, you can probably tell in my voice, but it had a great, uh, we got to a good spot. And then the next couple, we talked about um, being born again. We talked about Christ living in us and those scriptures and what they mean. And do we actually focus on that enough in the restoration? Well, in the end, that's all we have. That's in the end. That's all we have is God. Yeah, yeah. He says, "You either either I'm everything for you, and that fruit from the tree is going to fill your soul, or you're not going to want to be anywhere right. near it. You're not going to want to be a part of it. That's where we're all headed. And so right now, we're seeing a lot of foundations starting to crumble away from people. Now think about the people that their life is, you know, being down at you know Rick's Bar and Grill every." Every you know Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday night, you know, drinking with their friends, and that's all they have, right? Right. right. Think about you know a whole host of other things. There's there's all kinds of people going into withdrawal now because there's no sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no sports. Basketball was canceled. You know, a whole industry. That's people's lives for a lot of people, yeah. and and that can be really involved. But as our foundation starts to crumble and things that we look to are starts to be taken away what are we gonna you know you have a time to sit and reflect and think can i find something else to get me through day to day and can it be enough and well, that can be really tough and it's, it's okay to have those tough moments and they're and they're kind of sad sometimes and frightening when you realize how caught up we are in the world but those are the moments that we need to do the gut check and yeah and i was thinking about that too mike just that it's important that your entire routine doesn't get focused on this only and you forget the things that bring you peace, you know, still take, take that walk, find your quiet place on your knees and praise God and thank him. Don't, don't let fear consume you. Um, his, he's told his people, Hey, you know, the righteous don't, you know, don't need to fear. And I'm not saying this in a, in a, don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be fine. No, there's, there's reason to be concerned, but, uh, what this means, I believe, is that we don't have to um, uh, assume that somehow God's purpose and plan uh, got thwarted by this. You know, his assurances are real. One of the things I wanted to just tie in was this Isaiah 28, where it talks about the overflowing scourge. Um, it's followed by Isaiah 29, which uh, who knows if the chapters even existed. I doubt they did. I think we we put these together in our thinking. But Isaiah 29 ties in when a sealed book comes forth. And so the reason I share this is because all of God's promises talk about great things to come. And there there may be darkness and hard times between now and then, but this this promise that he is going to manifest himself 
in power to, to one, reveal himself to whoever will come to him, but also specifically to the promises of the covenants that the remnant of Joseph, they are going to respond. They haven't yet. And even if this plague is, is upon us, th- that's going to happen. When, when Israel turns to God again and they call on him in the name of Jesus Christ, this is part of the prophecy to be fulfilled when there's two churches and God's power comes down in mightily upon his people. All these things are going to happen, and, and Zion still emerges through all of this. So those promises are sure, and that's why I'm just saying, hey, make sure that uh, we don't get so consumed in the moment that we forget the assurances of God. And that's where I'm saying that. He wants us to be hopeful that his assurances are still there. A couple of years, not a couple, uh, a handful of years ago, I'm terrible with dates, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was coming back from a trip in Ohio, and uh, I remember the email, still, or still getting the text message. She went to the doctor for her yearly physical, wasn't having any symptoms. They did her regular blood work, and she told me what her blood counts were. And um, because I worked in IR, and we had a lot of people coming in uh, with cancer, but we would do biopsies and different types mm-hmm. of uh, procedures. I just, as soon as she told me the blood counts, I, th- I thought there's only I mean, there's a slight hope, maybe it's something, but you almost knew, right? Of course, and she was. She was diagnosed with a type of leukemia. Um, that was terrible, frightening. But we went through some procedures, and, and, and long story short, she had a bone marrow transplant. It was flown over from England. It's amazing what medicine does. They put all yeah. these things out, and there's all these markers, and she found a donor in England that was like a 10 out of 10, like it was the perfect match. And so... She had a bone marrow transplant. Um, she's now, I think, almost five or five years out. And they said if you make it to five years, um, your chances of um, getting can- coming back would be the same as anybody else that never had it. And so, so that was good. But along the way and along the journey, she would have different things of success, you know, and she would post these things. And, and people would respond, that's awesome. God is great. God is good, you know. And I thought a lot about that response. I, I never once felt inspired to pray, Lord, heal my mom. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that goes back to perspective because I've seen so many believers die that their families wanted them to be healed, you know, that their families wanted the best for them. They wanted them to stay around, and they still had they still suck them to the disease, you know, they, the disease won. And I know that all of us are giving that time to die, we're all going to die and be transformed into a, into the, you know, we go in on past the veil. And so I just, I didn't feel right praying that, but my prayer was that my mom would have peace and that as a family, we would all draw closer to God. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I always thought when something good happened and people would say, God is good. My thought always goes, what about all of those people that that died, that did, that weren't healed. Was God good then? Did God love them as much as he loves my mom? Does God favor my mom more because she was baptized into his church as opposed to someone of another faith? And I say, no, he loves all of his children right. the same. So uh, I don't know his ways. I don't. Of course I don't. But, um, but when we look at times like this, I think it's important as a Christian family— um, because I hear people say, you know, well, you got to have faith, you know, and they'll quote a scripture and just, you know, my, I'm not fearing. And it's fine not to fear. It's fine not to fear, especially if you know where your hope is and where you're, even if I lose this life, I'm going to be with Jesus. 
but also um, I don't know that just because someone's saved and someone isn't or someone's protected from a disease and someone isn't that it has that it always has to do with because they were more faithful than someone else. Mm-hmm. I think God's ways are just beyond us and he has purposes and his great purpose is for each one of us to be prepared for eternal life with him and whatever that takes, whether it's the loss of someone, whether it's the preservation of life for someone for longer, it's always his purpose to bring us home to him and prepare us. And that goes back to our prayers at prayer services. We can pray, God, protect us from what's going on right now. You know, just get us past this bump in the road so we can go back to our life. Or we can pray, use this moment. Use this moment of concern and um, sadness to humble all of us and bring us back to you so your purpose can be fulfilled, that we can be prepared, you know, to be in your kingdom. Yeah, you know, that's the beautiful way this um, this God we worship always handles us is that, you know, he, he does things for purposes to bring us to him. And, um, <clears throat> and so if we will repent and come to him has always been the purpose. There's, there's nothing really greater than that. So um, I, I appreciate your wisdom, Mike. Any other thoughts on just how we can better conduct ourselves and uh, what what we should be thinking about just from a health standpoint? You know, I I don't think there's a problem with getting together with another family or something, especially if it gets a little warmer where people can be outside, where y'all can kind of sit around a fire maybe or just cook out. And, you know, there doesn't need to be any football games going on, you know, no physical contact, but just be with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um like you said, reach out on the phone. I have a thought, and I want to ask. I want to ask our listeners to restore gospel podcast. Those of you listening right now, so this is being recorded. What is today? The twentieth, March twentieth. We're going to air this tonight, next Saturday. I would like to do a podcast, and I would like something we haven't done because we're all separated. I would like to hear from our listeners, and we have the ability to to put you into the podcast on the phone. If you can reach out to us through Restore Gospel Podcast or instant messages on Facebook. Um, There's links in every show notes. I'll put links on there. You can email us. If you or your family would like to uh, just, I would just like like a a two or three minute conversation. Like, how's it been? What are you guys doing? How is your, you know, what are you struggling with? Maybe what are some blessings that you've had this week? Let's share some testimonies and let's have an interactive podcast next Saturday. What what I'm thinking is, if you want to do that, we'll schedule a time, and I will just call you on your phone, if you have a phone number, and uh, we'll get your voice onto it, and then we'll put them all together. I'll have to call one at a time. I don't have a I don't have a multiple line system set up. Corey's the the engineering genius, but we're not there yet. So, but one at a time. I would just like to hear from the Saints, and I don't care if you're in Oregon or if you're in Texas or California. I want to hear. I want to hear your voice, and let's get all of our voices together and get some semblance of maybe, uh, I don't know, just a blessing, just to hear from you, Saint, and how you're doing. So that's next Saturday, a week from today, whatever it is, the 27th. We'll be recording, and if you can, if we can schedule a phone call with you during that time, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us and let us know that uh, you're interested, and it would be a favor uh, to us and to the your fellow saints. Um, Corey, anything, I wanted to do this too. Also a shout out to center place restoration school. Wow. You know, I took my son up there this week, uh, when early on in the week, when we found out schools were going to be closed and I was a little concerned that everybody was going to be in there at once. And, 
you know, they had the table set up. Every place was marked out for each student. They went in, grabbed their stuff. The staff was all so positive. Um, and, you know, they operate on a shoestring budget, Corey, at times. They don't they don't have the programs that other people have. But each teacher is trying to find their own way, and there's a lot to learn. But everybody did it so quickly and have been so positive. And I walked through the house this week, and, and my son's online and his teacher's online, um, working with the kids, and I know they miss the kids, but thank you, uh, CPRS staff, for your smiles and your um, positive attitude for the parents and the kids when we came in to clean out their lockers. I know that was sad for a lot of people, um, and I know the kids are probably missing <laughs> fellowshipping with each other yeah. by now. You know, the newness is wore off, but but uh, thank you. Great job. Anything else, bud? No, I appreciate it. And thanks for uh, bringing that up to, uh, you know, there, there, that might be the best thing we can do for each other right now is just share encouraging stories of how people are helping each other. And, and I like the, uh, idea of, of hearing from some of you very shortly and, uh, and we'll keep up with you guys. Um, we'll, we'll try to keep on the air here and keep meeting as best we can. Well, it sounds good. Let's, uh, let's see if we can end with a different song. This is called helping hand. It could be an original. I don't know. I hope you enjoy it. Until next time, Corey. Uh, Keep walking each other home with uh, social distancing in mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a high five, virtual high fives, right? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Woke up early to another day. Heart's hung over and my hope is frayed. I could sure use a helping hand. Come on. Just don't think I can go it alone. No man's in my land, no, don't you know? I could sure use a helping hand. Come on. Strong and he is weak.
up tomorrow feeling strong Won't forget to bring my brother along Just like me, he needs a helping hand So come on I won't condemn him for his wicked ways I've had my share of dirty days We need each other Come on, hold on, take my hand.